So what do we expect with protests regarding the nation of Iran? We're three or four weekends into a lot of noise being made. I wanted to ask Mohammed Tavakoli, who's professor of history at the University of Toronto. Great get and really enjoyed our conversation. It won't be the last time we talk to him for sure about why this feels different in Iran, whether this is drawn up along demographic lines and how men are helping women. Women started this, but men are coming to their aid here. And the women are saying, absolutely, there's strength in numbers uh, with regard to these protests. Where could this all lead to? He's got some answers. want you to hear that next on Toronto Today. Professor, thank you very much for making the time for our audience today. Good morning, Greg. It's a pleasure to join you. Thank you so much. What are you expecting? Are we going to continue these weekend protests? They've been worldwide as well. We saw massive numbers in Richmond Hill two weeks ago. Do we have sort of, how would I put it, the stamina with all the, the everything else going on in the world? But this is a major priority, I think, when we watch this saying the needle's moving a little bit. These protests feel different than others in the past. It's moving, and I think Iranian women, teenagers, and young adults have the stamina to go all the way. This is a movement that has been in making for several decades and is not going to go away. So I assure you that movements in Iran led by Iranian women is going to intensify. And of course, global solidarity is there because there are large Iranian diasporic communities all over the world. Why? Why now? Why? Why was this so distinct? There have been people um, killed and there have been people that have died in Iranian uh, in IRGC custody, if you will, because of protests they have made. Men and women have passed away in custody. What made this one different? Why did we react differently, do you think, over the last five or six weeks? Well, the death of Massa Amini uh, on September 16th last month um, was a trigger, but it wasn't the cause. What is causing this movement, and it's really important to understand the depth of it, mm -hmm. is the kind of home-growing Iranian secularism that has emerged in Iranian family settings at home. It is at home that Iranian women have been challenging one house at a time patriarchal rule, and now they are going public into the public square. So it is, it has been in making, and we have been seeing this for over 30 years, that a new culture, home culture is emerging, is cosmopolitan, is intensely linked to the world because of the internet, and it is secular and post-Islamic in its orientation, and this is a generation of Iranians who have been born and educated by the Islamic Republic. And thus, they are very firm that in their challenge, in challenging the ethical and moral foundation of the Islamic Republic. We've got Mohammed Tavakoli joining us, uh, professor of history at the University of Toronto on Toronto Today on 640 Toronto. Do you see this as also as a generational divide? Are we seeing not just younger women, but younger men who support those women, brothers, it's potential good. boyfriends, potential husbands right. saying, you know, and I think we've all evolved out of things that our dads or grandfathers or great grandfathers just thought about the world like that's Absolutely. that's life in the 20th and 21st century. We want to be better today than we were yesterday. Absolutely. As I indicated, 
This is a homegrown culture, sort of women, emergence of women's consciousness and assertion and subjectivity, and it has challenged the father's rule, the brothers, the uncles, the, the boyfriends, and now you have Iranian women being backed by, by their male partners and by male uh, relatives and parents. So it's not... They are not doing it alone. They are doing it in consort with their male supporters that are in the background. They are the senior partners of this movement. In the past, they have been always in participants in movements, but they were always marginalized. This time, women's voice cannot be marginalized because they are shaping a new political culture. There's, I don't know if I'd call it a myth, but um, I know it was when, when I went to school and I'd study middle, I, I did a few courses on, on Middle East politics and loved it. And I wish I could, I, again, I wish I had the time to absorb five, six hours of it. It fascinates me. There are, is definitely a theory out there, Professor, that countries in the Middle East and, and voter bases in the Middle East, they don't want the same democracy that we have. They want more democracy, but they want they want a, a you know, a limit upon that democracy. Do you believe that to be true? Do you look at other Middle East nations and say, you know, whether it's Tunisia, Kuwait, uh, even Turkey and, and say they don't quite want our democracy, but they do want more choice in their own lives? Well, they want a better one. Right. They want a democracy that is better, a democracy that women are in the forefront and women have control over their bodies and their own life. And, and in a sense, it, it, what is coming out of Iran is a notion of liberty and freedom and women's life. And the slogan of this movement is women, life, liberty, than zindagi, azadi, and a democracy at the heart of it is freedom and liberation of women, and women's choice over their own body, and not the morality police that will imposing uh, the, uh, on uh, your head uh, mm-hmm. uh, or on your body what they want. So when you look at the distinction between, let's even say what happened in August of last year when, when the Taliban took back over in Afghanistan, do you look and say men are afraid to speak out, they are very afraid of such a brutal regime, or they look around and go... This doesn't impact me that much like there that I no one would consider Afghanistan even close to a democracy. If anything, it's probably the most brutal regime on the planet right now. But there's other countries, whether it's Libya, whether it's Egypt, whether it's even Qatar, where the World Cup's going to be. And we say it's not really a, <laughs> there's not a lot of freedom of movement or expression in those countries. Right. Uh, in, in some of the uh, Persian Gulf Arab states, uh, uh, there are not freedom, and they are not democratic participation. There is no parliamentary rule. But I promise you, the very same thing that is happening in Iran will be happening and is happening in Afghanistan. Women are the leaders of a new movement, and they have a new definition of politics and political order. And, and I find this very, very promising. Uh, and, and, and one woman at a time. Are, are, are going to be forcing their parents, their relatives, their boyfriends, their husbands to back them up. And, and I'm, I'm anticipating that the movement that is happening in Iran right now will happen in Afghanistan.
Yeah, that would be massive. We'll be watching this weekend. I hope we get a chance to chat again. Really enjoyed your insight. Our listeners are responding on our text line and, and have as well. Thank you very much for the time today. Thank you. It was a pleasure speaking with you. You bet. Uh, Mohammed Tavakoli is a professor of history at the University of uh, Toronto. And, you know, Sheba, great guest. And, and I think he lays out something that's, I, I don't know. I worry that, you know, revolution's really, really hard. Change is really, really hard in countries like this. And I think for every man that's out there, you know, protesting along with women, along with maybe their daughters, maybe their sisters and whatnot, there's, there's either men that are afraid to, or they're like, nah, I like, I watched this in South Africa. There were white people saying, I don't get it. I I don't want to keep doing this. I don't want this tension where it's an apartheid regime. This doesn't work for, for maybe who I am inside. And it didn't make economic sense at a certain point. But there's other people that are a lot quieter about it, and they're just like, uh, I'm, I'm cool with everything. I just don't want to be out here saying it. Well, I think there are a lot of repercussions for them to be out there saying it. There's a lot of fear, especially in a country like Iran with the history that it has. Mm-hmm. Uh, Masa Amini's death has triggered something in women that I think was always there, but it's and it's long overdue. But what is happening, the uprising that is happening, how there's strength in numbers and what these women are doing globally around the world, I think it's helping their men find the courage to also stand up to these atro- this atrocious regime and what's been happening for, for a very long time. So it's nice to see that these women are helping to empower their fathers, brothers, sons. Uh, and it's it's they're really leading this revolution. What I sense as well is as proud as as I think we can be of of and the, the utter bravery of these women to protest after Masa Amini's death is I think they're accepting. I think we struggle with this sometimes and we're like, oh, that's this is my fight. You stay out of this. And I'm like, but I'm just trying to help. Like, I think in Iran right now, they need all the numbers they can get. They need yes. all the mobilization to push away these morality police and, and, and challenge them that that we can get. And I, I, I think that's constantly been the case, whether it's, you know, protests that want to stop the Vietnam War or, uh, you know, protests, period. I, you know, there's strength in numbers. You just said it. So I, th- I think we struggle sometimes with even something like in the states with abortion rights, like. Men want to be out there and and helping. Not every man wants to prevent a woman from doing obviously what what they to to choose what they should do with their body. And there's a lot of women that are very much for getting rid of Roe v. Wade. Like it doesn't fall along you know lines of gender. It just doesn't. No, you're right. It doesn't. But I mean, in this case, I think with in terms of what's happening in Iran and what these women are being, uh, how they're being forced to conduct themselves and live their lives. This is not about the hijab. Right. We have to always keep mm-hmm. that in mind. This is about control. This is about a, a woman's right to choose how to live her life, what she uh, how she mm. wants to conduct herself in a daily basis. I've been in a similar country where, you know, you you were forced to abide by a certain set of rules specifically as a woman. And I'll tell you, it's it was awful. It was in Saudi Arabia and it was awful. Yeah. And um I have a really bad taste in my mouth about that country. I think next month with Qatar, it's going to be really interesting to see yes. how people are acting, behaving. Uh, the male-female demographic of of, uh, of soccer fans that are traveling, a lot of it's going to be really fascinating. 